Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I've got nothing to yell about, so I'm Casey Bartley. I was like, he's not going to do it today. He's not going to do it. Good, good, good. Good, yeah. No game uh, since the last podcast, so today we're going to be looking ahead to the game against Michigan State. How about them Bilemakers? Wow. Woo! I know you're the one that edits it, but I I just want to make sure that stays in. Um. So this is the rare situation where Purdue is playing a team on the very, very back end of the Big Ten schedule that they've not yet seen this year. Michigan State, one of the teams that Purdue only plays once. Uh, So we'll talk about them, what we can expect um, as the game looks uh, like it should be a pretty good one for Purdue coming up this Saturday. So other than that, we're going to talk about a few scheduling issues, but we haven't done a question in a while, Casey, but I've got one for you. I love questions. Uh. Have you ever heard of burging and corfing? The what? Burging and corfing. Was this mentioned in the group chat today? Not today, but I've mentioned it in the past, I believe. Okay, so that is my all. I think I saw those two words, and it sounded like one of the kind of things you would, like, name an English store (laughs) that I assume sells, like, postcards or something. (laughs) If it's not that, I don't know what it It is. is. It is not. So, a little background, um... I, when I was working in the uh, athletic department at Purdue, I was also, I was getting a master's degree in recreational sports management. You're a hustler, Ledman. Yeah, which if anyone listening is in college or thinking of going to college uh, for a master's in recreational sports management, I would caution against it. That doesn't uh, hold up your law degree? No, no. Yeah. Not a great market uh, of jobs out there. And uh, it's a lot of work for very little pay. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but one of the things that we learned and we discussed uh, was something called burging and its opposite, which is corfing. And Wait, are these the things that happen before and after a sports hernia? No, no. 
Although okay. I may have one of those right now. It's tough oh, to say. Oh no. Yeah, I haven't haven't been able to run uh in now twenty three days. I'm taking you the entire You didn't tell me. I, well, I'm taking the entire month of February I'm, off. I'm sorry I sent you that mean tweet then about running. No, <laughs> no that's why. Oh. Uh and then we'll see what happens and then uh, I can Do test. You have like a little bubble in your No, 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 no. Stomach um, area? They 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 don't think that's what it is, but they think it's just a muscle strain or muscle uh, pull. Uh, so they've advised me to take a month off, and then I get to test it in March. And then if it's not better, then they may have to do like an ultrasound or uh, something like that. So cheers, you know, good stuff ahead. So you might be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think it's a girl. <laughs> um, no, so Burging, uh, which I'll have to spell for you, uh, is B-I-R-G-I-N-G. And okay. Corfing is C-O-R-F. Ing. Uh, these these are two things that even if you don't know what they are, you're you're going to be familiar with them. So burging stands for basking in reflected glory. What? Yep. And corfing stands for casting off reflected failure. How do you spell corfing again? Uh, C O R F. C O. Okay. Yeah. So these are two phenomenon that, like I said, even if you don't know the terms, you're pretty familiar. Um, basking in reflected glory. glory is uh, burging. So that means basically if you're a fan of a team and your team wins, studies have shown that you're more likely to post about it on social media, you're more likely to talk about the game, and you're more likely to uh, wear your team's memorabilia after a win. Because a win for your team is a win for you, and it makes you feel better. So you're more likely to bask in that reflected glory because even though you didn't play the game, it becomes your glory because it's your team. Right. So I think you can probably guess at least where Corfing is going. Bloomington. Yes. So casting off reflected failure is if your team loses, it's kind of you push them away. You say, well, it wasn't, you know, I've never been a huge fan or that game wasn't important. Or you find a way to justify the loss and say that wasn't on us. You know, I'm maybe I'll put this shirt away. I don't want people to see me in it tomorrow. Because they, I know my team lost, and I don't want to be associated with that Seriously, failure. Seriously, Ledman, why are you subtweeting on you right now? I well, uh, it's more of a uh, if there's if there was a phenomenon for becoming a fan of another team uh, during a different season, that's what they would be. What with the Notre Dame football fans, it's a Corfin morph. It's cor- that wow! I think we've got a little something going here. <laughs> Can we? we might need to, are we allowed to teach a master's class now? I think we are. We might need to do some journal writing here. <laughs> I so. Go ahead. I just these are the things that I remember from my master's degree. And if I don't talk about them, what did I go to school for two years for? So I wanted to at least bore you with that and maybe drop a little bit of knowledge uh, on on some folks out there in the listening world. How many years did you have to go for law school? Uh, Well, it's a three year uh, thing. Generally, if you go full time. But since I went part time and worked during the day, so I was only part time in the evening. It took four years. So it took you half the time to learn borging and corging. <laughs> yes, borging and corging. Okay. Those sound like dog birds. I think one of them is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is just a fun example. Another, you know, another thing they do is is if your team wins, it's we won. But if your team loses, it's Purdue. Or if your if your team loses, it's Purdue loss. Uh, or Purdue was losing. Uh, it's never we when we lose. Uh, so it's just an interesting little social phenomenon that I'm sure we've all seen and experienced in our own lives. To be clear, these are things that could have been covered in like a freshman psychology class. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not claiming that this is some high level thing. It's just something that I'd never heard of. No, I'm just saying until that, that point. That's the master's program for whatever sport thing you did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it was. Uh, it was a good two years of my Her life. Education's awesome. It's a weird situation, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's a whole. That's a whole other podcast we could get into. But uh, so that's that. That's a. That's a fun little break. Fun for me. Annoying for Casey. Um, no, I I loved every bit of it. <laughs> um, you can, so as you I can said, teach me any day. I know. I appreciate that. Uh, there there were two scheduling uh, announcements since our last podcast. The first one was the Purdue versus IU game, which, as we've discussed ad nauseum on the podcast, going to be the last game of the Big Ten season set for March 5th. Now has a tip time. That is going to be 2 p.m. in Mackey Arena. So that was announced, I believe, yesterday. How do you and feel about a 2 o'clock game? I, I it's a weird, it's like a weird it. time. I don't uh, like it. The, the, the best part for me uh, as a father of a child who naps is he will likely be napping for the first half of the game. Okay. Uh, so I'll be able to pay more attention and won't have to kind of like run around. Uh, God bless my wife. During basketball games, she handles a lot of the running around. Um, but that is, the, that is the positive for a 2 p.m. game. Why are you against a 2 p.m. game? So – when it's noon, it's early enough to be like, it's way too early to drink. I'm just going <laughs> like, to watch this game. I still have a whole day left to have. At 2 o'clock, you don't really have that excuse. But at the same time, you can't be there like at 4, like 4 beers in, where you're like, I guess the rest of the day is ruined now. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a fine line between, am I going to have a drink at mm-hmm. 2 and sit down and watch the game? Or am I going to wait? Like, Do I have plans to leave the house? After the game is over, because if so, maybe I won't have that drink. Is it a Sunday or a Saturday? Uh, it is going to be on a Saturday. Okay, that's a little better because yeah, Saturday, Saturday afternoon, get, evenings are weird. Yeah, you get a anyway. whole extra day afterward. Yeah. yeah, I don't like. I think there's fun. There's something about noon when you're still, when you're still kind of fresh, still wiping the sleep from your eyes, still uh jumping into the get, jumping into the day, and you kind of get that at noon. But at two o'clock, you're kind of like swooning back down, like you said, yeah. it's nap time. Yeah, and it's it's weird. I mean, you know, we're both on uh, Eastern time zone here. You East know, coast, uh, East Coast. <laughs> Juan over there in California, mm. looking three hours behind us. So I mean, for a noon tip off, he's looking at nine a.m. Shout out the puppy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, for a two p.m. tip, he's he's starting at eleven a.m. That's so, pretty nice. Yeah, I feel like that would be actually a good thing if you can find uh, a brunch bar. Like, yeah, that has it on. That's not bad. Uh, but uh, I just. It would be it would be a strange thing to be living on the West Coast and watching a football game for your team at 9 a.m. I hear people love it. Oh, I bet. Well, I mean, in one sense, I get it because, like, you get up, you watch the game, then your whole day is free. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do whatever you want. I'm sure my wife would appreciate that because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes she hates that the whole day seems ruined by football. Um, but – yeah, I mean, if your game's at 9 a.m., you're done just around lunchtime, so you can do whatever you want for the rest of the day. Yeah, if you got a setup too, like I, the girlfriend just moved in, so her TV came over here. Now Ooh. we have a TV. <laughs> Very 90s sitcom of me there. Yes. Now we have a TV in the bedroom, so like I have a whole new uh, potential like modus operandi in in my house, and I can just wake up and watch TV Sunday morning go. at like 9 a.m. Yeah, don't have great. to get out of bed or put pants on. We got three dogs, so <laughs> it <laughs> well, never okay. works that way. Yeah. But, yeah, I if you could watch, like, the first half from bed and then get out of bed and not feel that bad still, that'd be okay. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing right there. So uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll both move to the west. Is it the off season already? What has happened? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. One other thing: uh, the Purdue spring game uh, was announced, and it is going to be on April 9th uh, at noon. So uh, spring practice, I believe, starts this Monday. Coming up on Monday already. Uh, uh, yeah, February 28th, I believe, is the first day of practice. Um, spring practice is always a bit of a crapshoot. I mean, there are so many injuries. Everybody who was injured in the regular season or tweaked anything sits out or gets a quick surgery. That uh, list was very long. Yeah, it was a very long list that came out today. But, I mean, it happens every year. It's nothing to be worried about. Um, you know, you don't really get a whole lot from these spring practices. And the spring games now are so controlled. Um a lot of times it's just number one offense versus number one defense. There's no real teams. You know, it used to be there was the black team, the gold team, um, and they had a draft. But uh, as of late, it's just kind of been situational. And depending on how many offensive linemen Purdue has had healthy has really been how they conduct the spring game. As a society, haven't we agreed that anytime you can draft for something, you should? Yeah, I think that's what the All-Star NBA All-Star game has really taught it's us. the best part. The draft is more fun than the game. Yeah, 160 uh, to 160. <laughs> <laughs> it was great uh, that the the James Harden trade happened, what, the day of or the day before? That was the best part because at the draft, yeah. the whole time James Harden is on there. On and, the board. And it's down to the final two picks, and it's Harden and Rudy Gobert. Gobert, Rudy who Gobert. no one wants on this team, ever. And LeBron is literally the, having the a first hot... NBA, the first NBA player to get COVID yeah. and then go around and touch all the microphones. Mm-hmm. And LeBron's just standing there behind his clipboard laughing. Laughing. As Durant explains why he needs Gobert and not the <laughs> traitor's wrench that just left his team. Yeah. I mean, that that was good. I mean, I'm not a huge NBA fan, but that was fun to see. Bravo to that. So start drafting teams again for spring ball. Come on, Brom. Yeah. We need to get two captains out there. Uh, figure out a way to make it fun. Uh, the the best thing really about this spring is that Purdue has a quarterback in place, a returning quarterback. Yeah, Jack Plummer, him. let's go. <laughs> we no. here at the Hammer and Rails podcast have always been Aiden O'Connell mm. fans. Uh, we've always thought he deserved to be the nope. starter, and we've never said otherwise. And you cannot go back nope. and listen to any episode of this podcast and hear otherwise. AOC for life. That's right. That's what we've always said. Uh, firm believers on this podcast. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be good in that respect that Purdue knows what they're going to be on offense and they can maybe throw in some more wrinkles. They can improve rather than focusing on the quarterback competition and trying to rotate guys in and out to see who's going to be the starter. So that is really the biggest thing I think that we can look at for this this coming spring. Yeah, I I can't even pretend to care yet, Ledman. Yeah, I know we're in basketball season. That's right. where that's your that's where your bread is buttered. So, uh, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. we'll uh, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. Come back and look ahead to Purdue's upcoming game this Saturday against Michigan State. And we are back to take a look ahead to Purdue's next game, which is going to be again this Saturday, February 26th at noon in East Lansing, Michigan against the Michigan State Spartans. And as I said at the top of the program, this is going to be the first time these two teams have met this year. Um, With just three games remaining, it's rare for you to play a new opponent in Big Ten season. But due to the way the schedule was made and the fact that Michigan State is one of the uh, one plays that Purdue has this year, it's just kind of how the uh, how the schedule came out for us. So, Casey, I know you're our resident uh, basketball expert on the podcast, I would say. Uh, how much Michigan State have you watched and what can you tell me about who they are and how they play? 
I've watched a good portion of them. Um, they're a strange team because pretty much they have four or five guys that just are all the same person. They're, same person how? They're all between 6'6 six, six and 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, um, they shoot the ball okay. Uh, they're tall. They're pretty athletic, but they don't do much else. Okay. Uh, so it's a bunch of, like I've said before, NBA-sized wings who aren't very good at college basketball. <laughs> So whatever you want to take from that. It doesn't sound good. They're not. They're not good. I uh, Out of all the teams in the Big Ten, what what team do you get the most pleasure in Purdue beating? I mean, IU. I, I get why you say that. I hate to lose to IU the most, but, you know, for the last seven years or whatever, we should beat them and the games are always closer than it should be. So I don't ever enjoy the victories that much, but... It really makes me happy when we beat Izzo in the Spartans. Yeah, I get that. Like, it's number that. one on my list, I'm pretty sure. I mean, what do you got against Izzo? You got a thing against short guys? Uh, I got to get – I got a thing against guys who preach all the hell they preach until, you know, their kid – you know, their basketball players trap a girl in a room. Oh, yeah. So, Lovely story, that. Not, did you did you, uh, did you you see his response to the uh, Juwan Howard and ending the handshake line thing? Yeah, and I just – I can't stomach him. I don't – I can't <laughs> – do it just who oh, you gonna shake the air are you are they gonna, yeah, he's gonna, gonna shake everybody yeah so he said gremlin. a reporter asked him you know have you heard uh the discourse of maybe this is time we get rid of the handshake line and he's like oh i've heard it i think it's stupid if you can't you know lose a game and then go shake a hand what, what are we doing you know we used to have morals in this country kind of chat for about two minutes and then he's like hey uh, you know if they get rid of the handshake line if your team wants to leave the court i'll tell you what i do 15 guys, we're going to go down the line and we're going to sh- shake air. It's like exactly performative morality. That's right up his bag. I hate the school like more than anything. That athletic department is, you know, yeah, of course they rivals they with to... Penn state. Well, yeah, they of course had the uh, Larry Nasser scandal uh, of recent years because he was employed by Michigan state. And yep. uh, we of course know how that went. So there's just a lot of stuff. I enjoy beating them a lot. Yeah, I get that. I get that. It's, and it will, and they have been a marquee program in the Big Ten. Exactly. Really for, gosh, it's been over 20 years, I'd say. Pretty much since Izzo's been there. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they were, they're they the last Big Ten team to win the NCAA title back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other Big Ten teams, of course, have been close. Uh, Maryland does not count because they were not a Big Ten team when they won it in 2002. So mm-hmm. uh, the last true Big Ten team to win a title was back in 2000, and that was Michigan State. And for a while there, they were getting to the Final Four nearly every two to four years. Yeah, and now they lose in the first round, and it's great. Yeah, much better for me. Yeah, so they're, they are on a slide. They've lost five of their last six games. Yeah, and in, they've not looked great. No, including Penn State loss, Rutgers loss, uh, Wisconsin went to their place and beat them. Illinois went to their place and beat them. They're, they shoot the three okay. Well, pretty well. They're they're an efficient team, about 38%. But they don't shoot a ton of them at all because uh, they have a lot of big guys who will stand in the corner and shoot threes when they're there. They, they come and go by how... Their two-point guards play. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hoggard, and neither of them are very good. Uh, they're both very turnover-prone, uh, very inconsistent shots. They can't uh, – they're not reliable scorers at all. Tyson Walker is under 40% from inside the arc, and A.J. Hoggard is a little bit better at 44%. Hoggard, 6-23 uh, for three on the season. Uh, Walker, 
28 of 49, so very efficient, just doesn't get a bunch of them off. Though in their last game against Illinois, they were their comeback was based off of, you know, getting decent play from Walker, Hoggard late, uh, particularly Walker stepping into the starting lineup has been big for them, but they're not getting wins because they don't have guard play. They have a bunch of guys who can score in multiple ways when they're set up, but they're not creators. They're not comfortable with the ball in their hands. They don't make good decisions. They are one of the sloppiest teams in the country. They are turning over the ball 20% of the time. Oh, boy. And uncharacteristically, they don't rebound the ball very well for a Spartan which is, team which at is, all. Yeah, I was saying, which is strange because that has traditionally been a strength of Michigan State under Izzo. Yeah, I, you know, Bingham is good, not a dominant big, um, pretty good on the glass, but we, we've we talked about this a couple times. I've joked. They've got assist rates that I've just never seen before. Bingham's assist rate is 2.7. Oh, my gosh. I, that is so bad. That's literally... Out of 100 possessions, two less than three of his possessions end up in an assist. Yeah. So 97 times, it's a shot or a turnover. And that is just mind-boggling. There's, a, you go over the rate, Hoggart's a point guard. He's got a 24% turnover rate. Tyson Walker, point guard, 25% turnover rate. Malik Hall, 18% turnover rate. Bingham, who's only assisting on 2.7, he's. it's not like he's passing, and he's still turning the ball over 19% of the time. Oh, man. So you've got all these guys that aren't very comfortable with the ball, don't make good decisions. They shoot the ball well, but they're not prolific at three-point shooting. They're a good free-throw shooting team, which is a little weird, I guess. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're old. They're an experienced team. They're playing all juniors and seniors, and... Like you got Max Christie is like the only freshman, 6'6", 190, playing 75% of their minutes. But, you know, he struggled. He's shooting 31% from three. Uh, he's got a 8% assist rate. So you're just – this is a team just screaming for good, consistent guard play, and they haven't had it. They just lost to Iowa by 26 points. Yeah, they can only muster 60 points against Iowa, a team that, as we've pointed out, not exactly known for their defense. Not at all. And they it, – it, Go ahead. I was going to say, and you mentioned that, you know, they've lost five of their last six. Their only victory has been against a struggling Indiana team um, who has lost their last five. So it's not as if they, you know, knocked off a, a good team. And that Indiana victory was in East Lansing. Um, so the, you know, this lone victory in their last six games is not exactly a world beater. And it's not going to get much easier. Like Purdue's coming in there to play. We are clearly the better team. How the game goes out, who knows? It's at Michigan State. Then they have to go to Michigan and Ohio State on the road. They have a potential for a six-game losing streak before they come back home to host Maryland to end the season. That's yeah, that is wild. And you look, to be honest, you look at their early season schedule. Uh, they have a good win over Connecticut, but their first sixteen games, that Connecticut win is the only win over a top twenty-five program in Ken Palm. As soon as they got into Big Ten play, they struggled. They lost to Northwestern in early January. They lost Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin. They have not beat good teams. And it, you look at this resume, this is not. This could be a team you, you don't really think about it because they've been ranked most of the year. Not sure that makes a bunch of sense. They don't have any real signature win. Their best win is a neutral floor finish win against Connecticut. Besides that, uh, they did go to Wisconsin and win. That, that's about all they have on their resume. Yeah, it is not, a, not, not, a, not a Michigan State team that you think about. So 
you mentioned that they have a lot of guys who can be in the corner and shoot some threes, and they're a decent three-point shooting team. Uh, as a Purdue fan, <laughs> I, I, let me just say, that worries me a little bit yeah. because uh, if if there's one real glaring weakness for this Purdue team, it seems as if every team we play has a great shooting night from three. So the fact that you mention that as one of Michigan State's strengths gives me pause yeah. as to how this game could go. So if Michigan State is going to win this game, I would think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that they're going to win it by hitting threes. Yeah, it's going to be a night where they're like 13 to 22 from three. Yeah, exactly. That That is exactly why I'm hesitating to call this one a lock, because in theory... If they get just a little bit of penetration, which we've given up to pretty much everyone, yes, and they get hot from outside, they've got a, a myriad, a a giant cast of players that can shoot from the corner. It's just a lot of them have slow jump shots. Uh, they're bigger guys. They're not necessarily looking to be chuckers. They like to drive the ball, uh, get their head down, kind of get lost, and just aim for the rim. Once again, what is always you know our competitive advantage our big guys should be able to bully the hell out of it. Yeah. And they don't they don't defend that well. They do a decent job at uh, defending shooters. Um, actually, teams have an effective field goal percentage of 46.4, 34th best in the country, but they don't force turnovers and they don't rebound the ball well. We have an advantage inside. Um, this, this is screaming to be an Ivy game. Well, I mean, I those are the most fun to watch, so I'm all right with that. Because... They've got a bunch of wings. They don't have guards that can line up with him. Uh, you're talking about Hogan and Walker, the two point guards who don't really play together. And, you know, they're they're both on the smaller side. And then their next body that would make sense is a true freshman, Max Christie. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a tough <sighs> assignment for Max yeah. Christie. And like th- the best thing about Ivy, you know, one of the things about Carson Edwards is his size held him back enough to where. Uh, DeAndre Hunter against Virginia in theory guarded him really well. Yeah. It well, matter. in theory. Yeah. But like you literally can't do that on Ivy because if you're six, eight, he's going by you. Yeah. You're not fast enough. You, you would just not. And I think this team is going to struggle to contain him at all. And it, it'll be interesting to see how they counter that. We've got, they're not, they're big, but they're not a team that presses. So they, that's a positive. Yeah. They're, they, they're going to look big and they're going to look physical, but that, that's not the style of defense that play. They're more bigger bodies. We should be able to, to get them. You know, our off screen should create space, uh, create movement, create open shots for our shooters, and then our big guys inside do what they do. So matchup-wise, I think they're a good matchup for us on that end. Like you said, the shooting could be problematic if they get hot and we continue to leave shooters open like we do. But I, I feel more comfortable with us defending bigger players than – smaller dangerous guards yeah which they just really have not had and when you look at michigan state's schedule i mean as you said there's not a whole lot of signature wins on there but even if you just look at the last 10 games their offense has really struggled um i mean they've only 60 against iowa right i mean their last 10 games uh they're four and six in these last 10 games here's their point totals 86 and a win no they're five and six or five or they're one and five well i'm talking i said last 10 oh shit i I was I'm like sorry, one Redmond. and five. I was I'm like sorry. that does <laughs> Matt. Sorry. Woo! No, so they're they're four four and six in their last ten. <laughs> I didn't get and, a sports degree. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I learned is uh, how to count wins and losses. Uh, so they've scored eighty six in a win, 
55 in a loss, 83 in a win, 65 in a win, 63 in a loss, 62 in a loss, 76 in a win, and then three straight losses, 58, 74, and 60. So, I mean, they've not exactly been throwing uh, throwing up a huge number on the scoreboard. And if there's anything we know about Purdue, it's that their offense can really put up points. They can be very efficient. And even if the defense does struggle, Purdue has just been able to outscore people. Um, and the way this Michigan State offense has been playing really gives me hope that even if Michigan State puts up some uh, three-pointers, that the Purdue offense can outscore them. Yeah, that I mean, that is our recipe. We just have to be honest about that from going forward. Um, Gabe Brown is their leading scorer. I do believe he comes off the bench. That uh, is fascinating. You don't see that a lot. You don't. Guess where his points per game would line up on our team. As in, like, uh, ranking on the team? Like, third, fourth, yes. fifth kind of situation? Right. Uh, I'll say fourth. Okay. He's 11.4 points oh, per game. Oh, he's probably, so like, sixth then. He would be fifth most on our team okay. behind Sasha. That is wild. And he's their leading scorer? Leading scorer. We've got two guys averaging double digits. We've got four. Oh, they, wow. They don't have a go-to guy. Um. I know we worry See, about in a, in a way that kind it's like you can look at that two ways. You can look at that as they're not as dangerous because they don't have a guy who can take over a game or you can look at it as, you know, everyone on the team can make you pay on any given night. So it makes them more dangerous because you don't know who to cover. I'm going to stick with less dangerous because we've already given up 30 points to two different players. Okay. And that fair. accounts for half our losses. <laughs> they don't have like a 30 point guy on their team. So there's no Ron Harper Jr. who's nope. going to crush us, is what no you're telling Johnny me. No Johnny Davis. So, God, thank God. Malik Carr has played one game this year. Uh, for those that do not remember, Malik <laughs> Carr, of course, committed to Purdue, uh, was on the Purdue football team, and there was uh, apparently an understanding that he would have the opportunity to play basketball. Uh, did not see the field hardly at all in football. Uh, did not play last year or even you know get the chance to walk onto the team for basketball and then transferred to Michigan State. I believe in the Michigan State football game, he caught a two-point conversion for the Spartans. That's correct. So it'll be great to see him and hopefully see him not do well. Uh, Don't say COVID. Giant L, baby. Okay. (laughs) He did. That that was the game I was at, so that was was a great game to be there. That's right. Good for you, bud. It was. It was a lot of fun. Those moments live forever, particularly the cold. No, it wasn't that bad. No? No. It was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, so is there, is there anything else we need to know about this Michigan state team? Because as I said, it's so weird to be having a, having a team who you have not yet seen with just three games left in the conference. Yeah, no, that is really weird. I, I think the biggest thing is our players, we we can't overstate this enough. They just had five days off. Yeah. We maybe had five days off in like a, well, we had no days off in a 23 day stretch where they were always practicing, but five days off in a row. This late in the season is such a godsend. Just the ability to recover and regroup and rethink. And in five days, you can really insert a lot of different stuff. Uh, We've already talked about Painter has a very big playbook. It doesn't mean you have every play ready for every game. And now you can start to really hone in on what's working. Okay, can we make some, can we make some, you know, alterations to that so we have things to work on because we know what they've seen on tape and now we can play off of what they're gonna you know they're gonna be ready you know they're Mm -hmm. gonna be we're gonna be highly scouted and they're gonna try to take some stuff away we like to do we should have counters ready and we just saw what jade and ivy can do on fresh legs oh yeah 
I'm pretty excited to see what the next three games are going to give us highlight-wise. Yeah, and to your point, anytime you play, I mean, love or hate Izzo, you you can't really take away the fact that he is a good basketball coach, uh, a very good basketball mind. So to I mean, be yeah, able, Rick Pitino is one of the best coaches. In the, you can't you you can't deny that. Yeah, but it doesn't mean they're good people. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, he's certainly a good basketball coach. So, you, like you said, you know they're going to know what Purdue has put on tape. They're very familiar with each other, Painter and Izzo, because, you know, they've been doing this against one another for 17 years now. Um, so it's always interesting to see the chess match, the chess match that goes into it. And with Painter having these extra days, as you said, hopefully he can put in something kind of unexpected or uh, that will – put Michigan State back on their heels because uh, Tom Izzo is a good basketball coach and should have his team prepared. Oh, can we yell at Ken Palm more? Do it. We're 114th on defense now. We got like We're 20 spots worked after the Rutgers game. We played yeah, good defense. I, I don't get it. I literally think it's that we are we are prone to these runs late where we go up and then they have like these three, four minute stretches where we don't really care about stopping them. I, I don't know. Apparently they shot like 58% from inside the arc. Rutgers didn't feel like that. I don't know. I I don't care. It doesn't make sense. We are not the 114th best defense in the country. No, I find that hard to believe. Just I mean, you know, I don't have data to back that up. I just have the eyeball tests and and watching college basketball, and I find it hard to believe that there are 113 teams that play better defense than Purdue. I mean, we're not perfect by any means. I'm not saying we should be, you know, top five, top ten. But the idea that there are 113 teams that are better on defense. Uh, I find questionable. We've still never lost a game that we scored 70. Right. But, it's uh, it's weird. I, I just quantifying defense yeah. seems very difficult to me. I mean, teams are only shooting 33.9% three. Like, that's not great. It's not terrible. I mean, it seems it's so much higher than that. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, yeah. like, if you would have asked what teams are shooting against Purdue from three, I would have said probably like 40%. 90 90. Well, that's in high leverage situations when the shot clock right. is winding down. Definitely yeah. a 90% rate. Uh, Rutgers helped us out on that. Yeah, they, they missed. So did Northwestern. Northwestern missed a yeah. lot of wide open shots. Uh, Bad teams will do that. Well, well, yeah, they're not. They're just not very good. They're still ranked like 67th in Kimpom. Overall or defense? Northwestern overall. Okay. Okay. Something well, weird's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Kimpom broke. Maybe he needs to, you know, go back in and Kim check Pong. these algorithms. It's tough to say. I think he's, like, believing in himself too much. Ah, he bought in his own hype, yeah. Yeah, because everyone's just like, oh, it's all but, about Kim, Kim Bomb. You know what he's doing? Oh, uh, warbling? No, he's pulling a Nate Silver. Uh, oh, no. That's what Don't. he's doing. He's not that annoying. <laughs> That's the we worst should... Twitter feed you can follow. We should probably stop right there before we get into politics. This is not yeah. why people listen. Did you know sometimes... um. A, You've been watching if like white dudes give an opinion so much, you know, it sometimes has, I see it has this like counter counter effect where, where the public kind of goes against the person is wild. I know you've probably never heard of it. <laughs> I'm just not going to touch it. <laughs> just letting it go. You just got silvered. That's true. I did. Oh, I'd should, rather be, he should do it. I'd rather tequila. be Ari, Ari golded. I don't know what that means. Well, Ari gold from entourage. I didn't watch Entourage. Oh, I loved Entourage. I know it's like misogynistic. And yeah, that's horrible, pretty. But that's pretty brosive of you. It's 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 a good show. It's fun. It's like everything always works out in the end for these guys. It's so got the guy from uh, what was that teenage movie? Uh, they were in high school and he put uh, colored paint in the water. I have no idea what you're referencing right Damn. now. Damn. 
I can picture everything. You gotta, you gotta help me out. You gotta give me more than that. You got like a two minute wrap up to do while I try to find. So I can sure, sure. I can't think of her name. I can't think of his name. But I know she's in the dance movie with the one. Oh, I'm in a. Are you talking about Julia Stiles? Yes. Am I? I well, she's in a dance movie. That is her. Yes. Thank you. You're you're helping a lot. Okay. All right. She was in high school. In the other movie I'm thinking of. Are you thinking of Adrian Grenier, like the guy who played the main guy in Entourage? Yes. Uh, I don't know what movie this would be, but hold on. Let me Google Julia Stiles. Actress. Adrian Grenier. And Shirley. Was it 10 Things I Hate About You? No, no, no. No, 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 no. I know you did not just confuse Adrian Grenier with Heath Ledger. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Come on. Wait. Are you thinking of Drive Me Crazy? Yes! (laughs) That's... Amazing that that was what you thought. Uh, and that has Melissa Joan Hart in it. That was not the same person. No. <laughs> That's Sabrina. Yeah, that is Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh. And and that had an excellent song uh, from Britney Spears as the theme. Oh, and it had the girl from uh, uh, who did the Sunday, the Varsity Blues girl. Oh, was she in that movie too? Mm-hmm. I don't remember her name. What a day. What a Allie, day. La- Allie Larder, apparently, is her name. Larder, yes, yes. Because yes. I'm on IMDb now, so yes. there's where... So we have gone <laughs> completely off topic. I so... think we can do two shows in the off yeah. season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so we were talking earlier uh, how we wanted to handle the off offseason. Uh, I thought we should go down to just one a week. Uh, we may now go into <laughs> one show a week related to Purdue and one related to 90s pop culture. <laughs> And just, ran, random movies that we'll just rewatch and talk about. I'll just try to remember a movie and see if yeah. I can describe it to you. You remember a movie badly, and I'll see if I can get to the, you, the actual information. You did a lot of work on that show. I did. <laughs> it was fun, though. I, you know, it's it's amazing how we can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there we go. That's Michigan State. Uh, we're really looking forward to the game. And again, just three games left in the Big Ten for Purdue. Purdue sent, and it sits still half a game ahead. Uh, so each game incredibly incredibly important if Purdue hopes to win the conference. And uh, everything that Purdue does from here on out helps them jump from a two seed in the bracket that was released Saturday to hopefully a one seed come Selection Sunday. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, let's let's enjoy this game on Saturday against the Spartans, and then Purdue is not in action again until March first. That is going to be Tuesday at 9 p.m. when they travel to Wisconsin. It's only like three days later, Ledman. Yeah, which will, month. yeah, I know, which will probably be the uh, hardest remaining game on the schedule. So uh, hopefully we can take this win at Michigan State and then we'll look forward to the game at Madison in our next episode. Boiler up. Boiler up, folks.